0: Hey Kathy, happy February! Oh, happy Welcome February! Back. How did your January go? <laughs>
1: the longest January on record. There um, oh, was they were always three hundred days. I think everybody felt it this year. Everybody. January it feels like a, January. a long Tuesday, doesn't
0: it? <laughs> you know, like you're not yet at home day, like it's not
1: spring. It, um, and do you remember we went
0: and got our qualification in wine in January? Kind of. Um, I kind of <laughs> remember it, and we kind of got the
1: qualification because we haven't. We don't yet know that we passed the exam. Oh yeah, I Just assumed <laughs> <We> did. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I think we probably did. But we had a level one qualification in wine and we did the morning and it was all the theory and then you did a little bit of wine tasting <laughs> before lunch, then you had a little break for lunch so we went and drank a bottle of wine at lunch and yeah. then came back and did another six tastes, six wine tastes. and then went to the pub and took everybody from the wine class with us. In
0: hindsight, <laughs> I would say an hour is too long for lunch in London. <laughs> um, I did warn the little fella who did it that I would go and get drunk if he did that. We
1: lobbied for a shorter lunch and I what would happen. We, did, we voted for a short lunch.
0: I did warn him and he should have known what would happen. Also, and quite leery. <laughs> while we we're sat at the back of the class. Like, no, and I wouldn't care. It wasn't like a cheap class. It was like two hundred quid. Again, I'm not saying this is my fault. This is definitely their fault. The complex stuff was after dinner. <laughs> it was dead easy. The one, it was like, oh, the difference between pressing a grape and crushing a grape. And what does a grape taste like? How do grapes grow? It's like, oh, we'll nail this this afternoon. And this afternoon, it was like, in what area of France did this grow in
1: 1872? And how did it look? And we were like, oh. Um, so, yeah. Still think we passed the exam. It was like, okay, now it's exam time. And we were just giddy after like nine wine tastings on a bottle. It literally put <laughs> this massive timer on the wall, wasn't it? Yeah. five minute countdown exam conditions put everything away you can't even use a pen you need a pencil and it was like there, yeah. so so intense and then like, I filmed you and I was like how are you and you were like so excited to sit an exam. an exam and then it's just you all over where he was like nobody write on their paper until I've told you what to write and it said name and Joe was like well you know I know my name and wrote Joe Campbell and then he was like, so you don't write your name where it says name, it's the name of the wine school. And she got a little well, rubber out and was like, do, 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 um, Again, I would just say, their fault not mine. <laughs> Honestly, for somebody who runs a wine school, they're like such apertures. I feel like what they should have done is the theory, mm-hmm. the exam, yeah. Lunch, the
0: tasting. tasting. Yeah, but, you know, don't
1: taste nine indeed. wines plus a bottle, um, and then do an exam. <laughs> so this year, I'm instead of getting material
0: things, I want to do a year of experiences. So I want to do things that I've never done before. So the wine thing was one of them because I do love an exam, and some other things that I'm trying to book in, which is calligraphy, and I want to go horseback riding. <laughs> <I've> never done. <laughs> Why, are <you> laughing? <laughs> Why are you laughing? Since when? I have just decided. I've just decided there's some random things. Anyway, Also, then, is it not just
1: horse riding? I don't think right. there's any other way of riding a horse. It's <laughs> on is. its back. you bear back riding. There you is. Just what, that what about it's just I, called horse riding. Well, what about if I like, snuggled it from underneath and wrapped my legs around its belly? <laughs> you can get arrested and it's a different life experience,
0: still an experience. Um, anyway, that ties in with my January, which is my anti-consumerism <laughs> um, drive that I went on, which is to stop buying Costa for breakfast mm-hmm. and stop buying anything for lunch. It mm-hmm. um, wasn't that I didn't eat, like I brought things in from home, and which I did successfully all of January.
1: Yeah. So I was reading this article about just how much people were saving last year because you're in lockdown, you couldn't go out. It's obviously where a lot of people's spending is. And there was hundreds and hundreds of millions of pounds being saved. But then I saw an article the other day saying that already, apparently two thirds of all of that money that had been saved has already been spent. But do you think there's been any lessons learned? Because the fact that COVID hit, it brought into stark reality the need to have savings and to be prepared for the shock of something happening. Mm -hmm. But you don't expect the unexpected to ever actually happen. Mm -hmm. Then it did happen with COVID. And then everyone was like... Shit, like, have I got the money? Have I got savings? What can I do? But then you've come out the other side and like, are we actually just back to where we were. Like, like we went to Newcastle the other day and easily spent, like, 150 quid. I think people are obviously going back out, maybe being more frivolous on the nights out and not second-guessing it as it. much, like, actually getting to enjoy it and thinking, oh, i spent it 150 quid, but I've got to go out. Yeah. yeah, it
0: is absolutely about the experience, and that's what people have missed over this time. They haven't missed things. They can have as many things as they want. They've missed experience. Um, which is why I'm going fully consciously going into a year of experiences, because I've missed it. I've missed getting out and doing silly things. Well, look at that. We like,
1: bar in London. We went and had one round, three drinks. Mm-hmm. Was fifty pound. It was seventeen pound a drink, wasn't it? And they weren't even that good. I don't remember when your eyeballs were, like um, melting. Honestly, I don't want to sound like that northern person, but seventeen pounds <laughs> a drink didn't even miss <laughs> seem. Missed having seven. Like literally, you pay seventeen pound for a drink, but then it was the experience of that and mm-hmm. your eyeballs burning and like being on a rooftop <laughs> in London and talking about it. Like mm-hmm. as nice as it is to sit in your shed and have a drink, it's like. It's a different, completely different. Not headlines.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Do you know what? I can understand why. I feel like I did really well saving when I didn't have to come to work, but as soon as you come out of your house, it's just,
1: your money just goes everywhere. I know that when you're back to living, you just spend like you used to, but actually it's more than that, isn't it? If people are spending everything that they've saved.
0: What we've got to remember
1: is that
0: the world looks very different now to what it did two years ago from inflation, the cost of living is higher, and what hasn't caught up generally are wages in a lot of places. So actually just going back out to work and using the petrol industry your car and your food for the week that costs more, your energy costs more and people just will have to start digging into their savings if they were
1: living close to the line before. Yeah, it's a good point that it's the world might feel back to how it was because it's reopening. and you can go back out, but it's not. We're not in the same world that we were in mm-hmm. this time two years ago. I literally had this conversation with my brother the other day. So my brother's a natural spender. January's tax year return season. <laughs> yeah. And he got landed with a hefty tax bill that he wasn't mm-hmm. expecting. He should have been expecting it because you're supposed to put your money away when you're a freelancer, <laughs> you need to pop your tax away. And um, But he didn't and got this tax bill and he was like, well, it's fine because I'll just defer it for a little bit. Um, but then you know my first couple of weeks of February will be to pay for it Mm -hmm. then we got into talking about saving and saying actually if you're a freelancer or you're self-employed save for the purpose of like literally having a pot of cash to pay tax and so then he was saying well yeah and I need to do that and actually what I should do is just put x percent away of my money each month So I might put 300 pound a month away for a savings and I said what for and he's like well you know because I should just save and I went yeah but what Mm -hmm. for like what well, Is it for something like have you got a pension? Because that's one thing. Can you pay your tax? That's another thing. Is it like, a house? Is it a holiday? Is yeah, you're card? saving for something for the kids. Or yeah. like... um,
0: do you know what I think is interesting on that point as well? And um, mm. I thought it was really interesting when he said what you're saving for. Uh, we did an exercise at work once with Nat, and she'd said something like, um, Why do you come to work? And 90% of the people said for money. So, but why? You know, to buy things, what things? And they saying, Well, you know, like a house. Like, but why? Why do you feel you need to buy a house? And that you actually, when you're digging into it and digging into it and digging into it, you don't come to work for money. You come to work because you want security or you want to provide for a family or something that's much deeper than actual money. So what are you saving for? Is it because, what, you want to send your kids to university? But that's not because you want to pay for university, it's because you want your kids to have a really great life and a good education and a good job. And it's actually when you start to dig down on what you're saving for, the deeper you can go to think about it, it's more than just, you know, sticking away 300 quid a month.
1: Like absolutely put something away. If you've got an emergency fund, but it is exactly that. You don't save for the sake of saving. So when
0: I was talking to Sarah and Michael, who were Michael's mum and dad, but also a little bit like my mum and dad, because, you know, it's been all these years. Um, we've talked about this lots of times. I said, and I'm going to tell you now, and I've said it before, I do not want a penny of your money. I want you to go on holiday and I want you to spend every single penny that you've got. You've worked all this time. I do not need or want a penny
1: and of your money. legacy nice not it's my a money. It's genuine leftover money because mm. you've enjoyed your life so mm. much and there's something left over to give to people. But mm. exactly that. like She's t- already paid for mm. a funeral and
0: a plot and everything. I mean, they still argue about who's gone. First, honestly, Sarah comes in and she goes, I've got this like other policy, you'll have plenty to bury me, and then there'll be a bit left over. I don't <laughs> need your policies, I want you to use that money. And if you have to go away six times a year to spend yeah, that yeah. money, you go and do it. I know that we normally do a segment, don't we? Um, or we certainly plan to <laughs> this season, um, of talking about periods in our lives based on ages and what we should have done what we could have done what we didn't do what we did do um, and I know last month we were supposed to do um, the ages of 25 to 30 which we didn't sorry but it's because we got a really um cool little listener question in we did Um do you want me to read it out for you yeah <laughs> <laughs> do you want to sound sure about it <laughs> Um. so this guy called Michael not my Michael because he's 29 two years into a career job he has a long-term partner he hasn't got much wealth, but he said he has decisions to make. I Wonder if he's thinking about proposing, but isn't <gasps> really sure. Oh, I, I'm not going to answer that. And um, things like buying a house, getting married. <laughs> if I'd read cover, I mean, cover, I would have known. <laughs> things,
1: <laughs> <God. laughs>
0: So he's 29. Two years into a proper career job. He has a long-term partner. He hasn't got much wealth. He said, but he's got decisions to make. So he's thinking about buying a house, getting married, starting a family. They're all on the horizon for him, but he doesn't know what order. And he said, oh, this is cute. This podcast has persuaded me to enroll. He spelt enroll <laughs> enrol wrong, but we'll, <laughs> no, we'll no, let no, you I'm off, Michael. <laughs> um, so this podcast has persuaded me to enroll on the work pension scheme, genuinely think about starting to write a will and be excited about personal finances Aww. and planning. And um, he said, but I'm yet to feel convinced in that same way to go and get financial advice. I still can't shake the feeling it'll be expensive. I won't be able to find someone relatable. And on top of that, the financial advisors aren't remotely interested in people like me as clients. So even though I know it's logical, the podcast hasn't quite broken these old prejudices yet. Um, so he said, would any advisors even be interested in me and as a client? And what benefit
1: would I get that can't be done with a little research on Google? So let's break that down into two questions. So, well, and also this is the reason why we didn't jump into the 25 to 30 thing, mm-hmm. because it is such a key time of your life when you do have a lot of stuff on the horizon. Typically, and you've got all these big decisions to make and... There's an element of us chatting about us when we were in that age, but actually looking at it through the lens of somebody else in that age who's thinking about all of these things. He's probably got his shit together more than us. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he does sound much more on top of it. (laughs) Well, okay, before we jump into his then, talk me through your 25 to 30. Um, I was
0: already married. I already had two children, had a mortgage. And at that point, thought, right, okay, I've got all that together. Um, Started to focus on my career at that point. So actually, for me, it was slightly different. But I had got some of that kind of life stuff behind me.
1: So what about you? What were you doing, 25 to 30? So, actually, I think I wasn't too dissimilar to Michael at that point. So, 25... I had bought a flat with another 125% mortgage, so I did have that bit, however, I then at that point got into a relationship, didn't have wealth to manage, but also knew at some point in the future I'd want to get married, probably buy a house from a partner and start a family, so I do feel like in that way I was probably quite similar, um, and despite at that time already working in a financial advisors, other than going to the mortgage advisor there to help me get the stupid mortgage, I didn't get financial advice, mm-hmm. and think it's really interesting that Michael's actually Failing very conscious yeah. yeah, and aware of everything that's coming up and starting to think about the options of financial advice at this stage. It is very interesting because I also went to the same mortgage
0: advisor and also worked at the financial advisors, and at no point did any of them offer me any financial advice mm. outside of take up this pension and invest it here.
1: So with this first question, probably know, because they knew they didn't pay me enough. <laughs> would any advisors be interested in me as a client? So us as twenty-five-year-olds, like even our own employers weren't interested in us as clients, were they? No, absolutely not. But also we were twenty-five many many moons ago. Yeah, and it has changed. It's changed, yeah, massively.
0: There is lots of different ways of getting advice as well I think Um, it might not be that you have to go down the full advice route there's some things you can do like hybrid advice you can get some advice online you know something through your bank something through an advisor Um, and I do think there's something in financial services called the advice gap which is a gap around younger people getting advice and that is starting to um, shorten Slowly yeah. but truly, and I think more people are much more open to getting in there earlier um, and speaking to clients and helping them build their wealth because those are their big clients of the future. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I absolutely think, regardless. And I do think that's
1: key. I th- we've talked in the past around the misconceptions of financial advice, but they're only misconceptions because we know the industry has moved on, but outside of it, people don't. So, yes, in the past. You know, in the olden days when it was just a sales role, essentially, the advisors needed you as the client to have money because they needed to sell you something to make some money. Now it's moving to much more of a profession. And what they care about is exactly that, building relationships. Even if they've already got wealthy clients, they'll look at supporting other people in their family, other children, even if they haven't got money or wealth to invest, because they're very much looking at long-term relationships and the impact that you can have on people. So if you're wondering whether an advisor would be interested in you as a client, if if you find the right advisor then yes absolutely because they're not mm-hmm. there to sell you something or to take money off you that you can't afford they're there to help you Put a financial plan in place and figure out your options. And you know, and their hope is that you'll then be a loyal client for the long term. Exactly, and I think I would suggest that you just do some research about the kind of person you want
0: advising you. And um, not so much just who will have me. It's more about who will you have. Yeah, yeah. You know, there
1: are options there for you, and it's about having finding a good fit for you. Especially post COVID, because you're not geographically restrained like so many advisors Absolutely, are now. Yeah. Much more set up and confident dealing with clients remotely and looking at having a nationwide presence. Yeah, absolutely. And it's more than ever
0: um, ways to get in touch with them and find them. You know, they've exploded into the TikTok arena
1: and um, all of that. And then what benefit do you think he would get then from actually speaking to an advisor, which will incur a cost versus just doing some research himself online?
0: Um, well, there's only so much you can do online. Um, anybody who's had any kind of symptom and they look online that you know they've got cancer and Absolutely. they're dying. that's the difference. Is you can look online and say, right, I've got 100 quid a month. Where do I put it? And there will be hundreds and hundreds. Of and what on the top is the companies that have spent the most paid. to advertise yeah, to exactly. get
1: on the top, not because it's right for you, but because yeah. they've had the biggest budget to spend on marketing.
0: Yeah, and you know yourself, it's going to be as generic as it can be um, because it has to hit the most people at the most times. So actually, what you'll get from an advisor is really personalised advice that that matters to you. Because what you're saying there, for as an example, you're 29, you're looking to buy a house, you're looking to get married, and you're looking to have children. In what order? Yes. And, you know, and it's how do you structure that saving? If you, the advisor or the planner will help to coach you into your timeline and what you need and how you need to save and what, you know, how you need to direct
1: and invest your funds and things. I read a really good metaphor on this this week, which is the, if you went online and you invested hundred pound a month, your money would go into some funds and that's mm-hmm. fine. Um, if you watch Formula One, those funds are the equivalent of the fuel that's gone into the engine. So like, yes, you need it, but what you actually need is the car, the driver, and the path and the direction and know where mm-hmm. you're going. So those funds are just the they're a tiny part of the fuel, but actually just having fuel set on the side doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference. If you have a bit of cash and no particular plans and just want to try and get something above what you can get from the bank, it's not the worst thing in the world, but if you want to plan and you want to look at all these different moving parts and have an actual path that you can go for. Um, it's not just about going onto Google and finding out where to invest. It's actually about yeah. going and speaking to somebody and figuring out. It's about it out. how you invest and how much and, and when you invest. There's lots of li- little and nuances. And it's about what you're saving for, because actually they'll make sure that you're saving for the right reasons or that you're spending for the right reasons. Yeah, exactly that. And the thing is, when you go and search
0: online, you're only looking for what you think you want to look for. You're only looking and going, well, oh, actually, somebody said I needed an ISA, so I'm going to look for ISAs. Yeah, yeah. But actually, do you need an IC? You might need a pension. You might need something else. And you don't know what to search for, because you don't know those things. Yeah, yeah. You don't know those other options. So actually. What an advisor has um, is just that wealth of knowledge. Um, but interestingly, your metaphor, because the metaphor that I came up with um, ages ago, which was without advice, what you are as a mechanic. So you've got some tools and you can fix an engine if it comes in and actually that money will go so far and you can do a bit of tinkering. If you've got an advisor, it's almost like you're an engineer. You can build that engine and it can go where it needs to take you and actually there's an extra depth of knowledge to how it works and like actually how you fix it as opposed to just tinkering along with it and hitting it with a hammer. So, um, it's not a full metaphor, and yours is better. To you
1: say like your starting point really should be doing a bit of research, seeing what mm-hmm. advisors are out there, seeing who's the right person for you, mm-hmm. and having conversations. And literally, every advisor I've ever come across ever will have an initial conversation at no cost. So, yeah. don't be scared to exactly that. book that in and spend that time. And, see and like what your I said, now you can do it over Zoom or you know, yeah, over yeah. a telephone call.
0: And if fees are a concern for you, a lot of them will have sliding scales, and a lot of them will have
1: things that will work around you. So and more and more of public them on the website as well yeah, so you yeah. can get a feel beforehand. Oh you can just ask. So for your son, he's twenty-three now. So let's say in five years, yeah. um, by the time he's middle of this age range that we're talking mm-hmm. about, are there any financial basics you would like him to have in place at that age? Well, he's already got his um, lifetime ISA, so he does save. Um, he
0: has just and been for a,
1: like a specific reason with a lifetime ISA.
0: Yeah, so he is already thinking it. But I'm hoping like five years will be that time frame that he would need. Yeah. So some savings and
1: players towards a house because yeah, that's he's what got his he's own decided car, he wants. On car. So, yeah, he's got like short term savings just kind of and financial self-sustainability isn't it at that age really if you've got an employer scheme always be a member of it at that age yeah even if like um, pension feels forever away like yeah
0: and you think oh god it's gonna cost me 20 quid a month
1: i could (laughs) use that on like mcdonald's or whatever it might be probably doesn't need to overly worry about things like life insurance or a will it's just it's the realistic expectations isn't it and actually mm -hmm. if you just know because actually it's not that much if we're set here now saying at that age all you need is blah, blah and blah, Mm -hmm. it's not everything. So what's the kind of advice that no one gives out but you think that they should? Never wash your hair with a hat on.
0: I would suggest... No one this. Like, to kids, you know, life's about experiences, it's not about things always. I appreciate it's very topical for me <laughs> right this second because of my year of experiences, but actually it is.
1: There's an expectation that you've got your life together by late mm. 20s to your third, like you know, turn 30, um, and you don't. It is a young part of your overall life still, and you absolutely don't need to be sat there at 30 with, you know... A, a, Excellent mortgage, a full emergency fund, your pension sorted and your ISA fully funded, like... In the career that you're going to have for the rest of your life. Exactly, yeah. Do you wish you'd done anything different? I mean, we've discussed the mortgage many times over. Mm -hmm. Um, But even that, like, would have changed it? Because it gave me the chance to get that mortgage and, like, live with my friend at the time. And now it's actually sat there as a rental property Mm -hmm. and, like... And it's the experiences that you had, you know, you've still got some good memories from it.
0: And like you say, you'll make mistakes and nobody gets through life without any mistakes. It's just about how you deal with them. We've been following Nana's house buying journey from when she first started seriously looking last March. Then, during the summer, it looked like she might have found the one. But then disaster struck. Kathy and I were out of the office that week, so Nana ended up speaking to one of our producers about what went wrong.
2: Does that work?
3: So yeah, do you want to tell me what's just happened?
2: Um, so I rang um, the development to try and get a, well actually, I didn't even want to view enough of the house, I just wanted to, like, preserve it straight away. but the, the sales guy was like, oh, I wouldn't suggest you do that. I think you need to view it first, because obviously it's a big step. And the reservation fee was £250. And obviously I would just lose that if I decided I didn't like it. But I was just adamant from the floor patterns. <laughs> I really liked it and I just wanted it. But um yeah, he said that he would advise that I go see a show home first. So I booked in to see a show home maybe two days later um, to have a look and it was the day before. I was just looking again online and it, the reservation wasn't there anymore. Um, So I rang and they said that someone had reserved it online so I still went and viewed the show home the next day which annoyed me more because then I loved it and I was like I really like this house but then um, yeah it had gone and it was the last one
3: so that's the whole development's gone now yeah
2: so that was phase 1 and for that particular house that was the last one until i don't even know when i asked how long it would be until the next houses were going to come out and he just couldn't give me a date he just said that, and he said he couldn't like let me know or give me a heads up he just said i have to check online
3: oh, <laughs> so like it's probably an obvious question but how does it feel to have missed out on that house
2: Oh, absolutely it. more so because i then saw the show home and i was just imagining where i was like putting things and like how to decorate things and then went back to looking at the the two bedroom houses on the same estate and i, I just kept thinking like i just kept comparing it to the other one and i was like can't <laughs> it doesn't match up to what i've seen now
3: it's interesting because i remember when my parents bought their first house actually pretty much every house that they bought they basically go for one viewing they'd maybe even be in the house 45 minutes and they'd be sort of ready to put an offer in. And my mom would be like, you just know, like when you walk into a house, you just know, like you know what you're looking for and you step through that front door and you know if it's right or wrong. And like, you know, you obviously work in finance, so you will probably be thinking logically, generally about this decision as a financial thing. Yeah. But it sounds as though in the same sort of vein, there's a there's a sense for you of like you just know with that house that it's the right one for you that it's not about logic
2: no definitely I think because I've never looked at houses before I never really understood that when people have said oh you just know I was like how how do you know <laughs> like it's just a brand new building that you've never seen before but when I'd gone into other ones I was just I could just go in and be like no not feeling it <laughs> I don't like it and then yeah I did definitely fade it with this one just does even more infuriating that someone stole it.
3: <laughs> if we take a, a couple of steps back then, so last time you were speaking to Joe and Kathy, you'd started looking, started having a sort of think about what you wanted. You knew the kind of area you're looking in. So what had happened up until finding this, this development?
2: This development near me, I'd kind of ruled it out because I'd heard the, the developers weren't that great. Didn't even like give it a second thought. And then I don't know why I started looking at it. I just thought, oh, I'll just... I mean, it is like, by name. it I should probably have a look. And then I just found a few houses, like, online. So there was some two-bedroom houses that were quite well-priced. But one of my friends had lived in a similar house, um, and it was quite small. And then... Yeah, i just found this one three-bedroom house that was on. So I just thought, I'm just going to go for it. I'll just, like, see what it's like.
3: I mean, whereabouts is it based in it? It's, like,
2: two minutes up the road from my local pub. <laughs> it's, like, five minutes from, like, Tesco, Aldi. So that's all, like, ideal. And it's only, maybe a couple of minutes from the year one. And with it only being a few minutes from where I am now, um, it was perfect for, like, work as well.
3: So, I mean, it's is that the only place that you'd sort of seriously looked at or thought about having a viewing of?
2: I did also look at the same development, the building in Darlington as well. So I did have a look at some homes there because they were well-priced and there was more options. But it's not that far, but it is like 20 minutes away from where I live now. And I just thought, because I'm moving in on my own, I want to be closer to my friends and family.
3: Um, So yeah, last question then. What happens next?
2: I think I am just going to keep because I've got my heart set on this development now, which is more frustrating because I've ruled it out for so long. And I feel like I could have probably got what I wanted if I'd just gone for it ages ago. But I'm just gonna wait. So this was the first phase. I've got phase two and phase three coming out. So I've had a look at the, the like map of what it's gonna look like. So the, for the particular house that I want, they're only releasing I think six more of the same styles <laughs> of the whole thing. And because I don't know when they're gonna release it or anything, I'm just looking about four times a day, every single day, trying <laughs> trying to try, try and find it online. Um, it's just the ideal place that there's time for me so I'm just gonna be annoyingly patient and try to (laughs) wait for it to come out
3: like not wishing a long wait on you but you know the more months that you wait the more months that you save in above and beyond your initial deposit and you know you can start thinking about how you'll decorate you know what the floor plan is (laughs) you know what the rooms look like so you can start spending that money in your head that you're saving up whilst you're waiting no
2: exactly it's definitely a positive that i'll have way more time to save as long as good isn't it
0: Hudson Rose,
4: do you want to start by giving us a little background on who you are and what you do? And- yeah, I'm Graham. I am the, uh, what do I call myself? Managing director? That sounds pretty grand. But then some people say founder, but I think that sounds like I'm running a cult. Do you know what I mean like? Uh, so yeah, I run Hudson Rose. I didn't fall into finance. I dreamt about being a mortgage broker from the age of five, um, thinking this will be the thing that I'll do. So no, I did fall into it, as most people I did my degree in politics and thought that was useful. <laughs> what, what, what will I do with that then? And, and then I worked after university, I worked I worked in betting shops for a bit actually. Massing around with numbers. And then it was that like weird. So it was that period about 2005, 6 when the only job you seemed to be able to get was to recruit for other people getting jobs. But like <laughs> if you look for jobs in like 2007, everything was recruitment consultancy. But I was like, well, how'd you get the jobs that aren't the recruitment consultancy jobs? That just wasn't something I was gonna do. Anyway, so I'd like, well, I'll look at a state agency because I could probably probably give that a bash. And that's how I came across mortgage broker when you're new to an industry and you're new to the whole thing right you look at it and it's like a job description right and it says you've got to be resilient to failure and you're like christ <laughs> and yeah. it sounds like you're walking into like an absolute horror show so i was like well i don't think i'm going to apply for that because i won't get a job and then and then yeah i did the four stage interview process got through got a job and loved it and you know turns out i'm quite resilient to failure <laughs> <laughs> who knew did that for four years with London and Country. Weathered the storm with HSBC for like eight months, and then joined Capital Private Finance, and then got promoted, uh, became a manager. Thought I don't want to do this, and <laughs> set up my own business, which will be for the last four four years next week. Thought uh, it birthday. Uh, wow. but I missed
0: it. <laughs> oh, I
4: imagine you're in the office on your own on your anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, do you know why? No, it's because it's my daughter's birthday today and I sat down at the computer self-employed a week after she was born because who needs money, right? I mean. <laughs> we
0: a new baby. <laughs> do you know what? We've talked about this a lot. What made you go from an established, secure job into just, oh, I've just had a baby, let's go.
4: I don't, Do you know, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because i have been there six years, sat and did the job, and I like to think I did it quite well. The sales manager for the country team job came up, so I threw my hat into the ring for that, got it. But then I wasn't doing the job that I liked doing. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't, I wasn't sort of selling mortgages to people. I wasn't chatting about insurance. I wasn't doing well. I was, I was um, you know, middle management, sort of working with middle management estate agencies, trying to get leads. And it just wasn't what I was set out to do. It's just not me, you know? So I was like, well, actually, I had this idea that it didn't have to be how it always has been. And then that's how Hudson Rose came out. It was, it was always intended to be smart and accessible.
1: Obviously, your background had been in the mortgage side. Was there ever any part when you were looking at going on your own that you thought you could expand it out and it'd be more
4: than focusing on mortgages? Yeah, 100%, right? It was always my intention when I started in mortgages. I like do mortgages for a bit. And I had always thought, and and, I, and I'm sure other people will think this, that mortgages is the poor little brother or sister to, to financial advice. It's like, it's your entry level stuff, right? And I think I had that kind of chip on my shoulder a little bit and thought the same for, well, I've got to graduate to the big leagues. And then I went to Capital, and I realized, you know what? I didn't know anything. I sat in a room of old-school, experienced brokers that dealt with private banks and all this kind of stuff, and I was like, I don't know anything, yeah? It's just like, I started doing my diploma. And I realized I don't like pensions. I, I've been in mortgage for so long that I know it and I recognize it. And I like the transact... A lot of people get to them, oh, but it's transactional. I actually really like the transactional nature of what we do. We're like kitchen fitters, right? You come along, you get your kitchen fitted and five years later when you want to replace, you come back and we do the job again, you pay as we do it and off you go. And I, I actually quite like that because it's uh, it's very clean. It's a very... There's no question about what's the portfolio doing. That's for other people. And people are happy when they buy a house and when they remortgage house. Generally, apart from the divorce side, it's an industry that... I know, I like it, and I'm reasonable at it. Um, That's a good advert for the business. It comes out to the (laughs) road. We're reasonable at mortgages
0: one of the things that we always struggle with is we feel that financial services certainly as a group is very slow to evolve you know what you're doing is you're saying i'll be myself and you're taking risks and um, i mean i remember it was maybe a couple of years ago we put out a job advert which said you need to be shit hot at excel mm. and you should have seen the twitter blow so i was wondering how you felt about you know standing out from the crowd and trying to be ahead of that curve
4: well how i feel about it is i couldn't give a shit to quite <laughs> honest but but it is interesting to, I guess, it's a lot because obviously we do look a bit different and i'm yet to come across a firm that is quite as out there as how we present ourselves you know my, my hair at the moment is is really long but normally we dye pink and, and we have the pink neon sign we have the nice office as well i think it's not about how we look. It's about what we do. And 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 Hudson Rose has come about not through some marketing plan. And go well. Wow, what the world really needs is some mm-hmm. approachable. Because you know, because all mortgage advisors are approachable. But it's the perception, isn't it? It's what it's what clients and customers and consumers perceive as what a mortgage advisor is. Right. Uh, hence why not all suits and ties. Is you know our, our hashtag. It's not about having a go at people that wear suits and ties. It's about the perception is that we all wear suits and ties. I've been doing this eleven years when I set up Hudson Rose. I was like, I know what I'm doing. I don't need to hide behind anything. And and maybe it's that, it's the confidence in knowing I can do the job it means, well, sod it. What we look like is irrelevant. But equally, some people, you know, it's a uniform, isn't it? Some people like the of uh, the, the, because you put your game face on.
0: Is there a reason particularly that you went for a shop and an actual physical entity as opposed
4: to just being online? Yeah, yeah. Fell on a tenancy agreement and signed it. I was like, oh God, I got a shop. <laughs> I mean, it's part accident. The first one was, I was getting my lunch one day and there was a shop there and it's on the A46, which uh, sounds like a bigger road than it is. I'd always wanted to get a premises and it's actually part of the marketing, really. If you're dealing with people's personal lives, right? Yes, you can do it on the phone. Yes, you can do it from a business park outside of all that kind of things. But it it all works on trust. People need to trust you. And if you're on someone's high street, people can drop in, can see us, they can sit on the sofa, they can have a beer. So the first one... What we did is we were about 10 or 15 meters from the roundabout. And as the cars come in, I had this idea. I put this big neon sign on the wall that says, your mortgage, our problem. And then we've got graphics in the window, nice fancy script writing, saying mortgage insurance advice. It doesn't look like a mortgage advisor's office, right? It looks as far removed from a mortgage advisor's office as you could probably get. And this was by design, right? People would see it and they'd go what 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 and they still do you can sit there as the traffic queues up people look in and they like double take and they look at the thing they look up and down and, like, and they drive off and then hopefully the idea is right is, is that when somebody needs a mortgage they go I pass that place on the way to work so that was how we did Nailsworth and that worked and then Sirencester came up and lo and behold in Sirencester we are 10 meters away from a major junction the traffic queues outside and the biggest, we don't have to go for high footfall we want a high car fall mm-hmm. it's not a word <laughs> you know what I mean High traffic area because we want the people to see is we don't need to be in the high footfall we pay higher rents yeah and, and i think it's part of that there's a, there's a drive towards having your your trendy barber and your butcher and your, your greengrocer and your you know loose food shop and all that kind of stuff it's all it's all coming back to, to small high streets which is brilliant but but financial services is part of the high street banks are part of the high street in the same way that everything else has disappeared so have we so why shouldn't we be there in a in a small community in a small town and it's that relaxing thing isn't it we've had people come in and and sit on our sofa and say i wouldn't have come to see you if you didn't look like this that's a nice thing we're used to you know in our profession we're used to going and sitting in banks or in offices and it doesn't doesn't phase it's bordering whatever it might be but for a lot of people that's that's alien to them You know, um, know, there's there's plenty of people that that do jobs where they don't have to go to that, but they they still want to buy a house and still want to remortgage a house. And so having a a welcoming place to come and people do tend to open up. And at the heart of what we do, it's about holding people's hand. It's about allaying fears. Right. And people aren't going to tell you what they're scared of unless they're relaxed. So if someone comes in and says, well, I'm worried about messing this up or I'm worried about the valuation or I'm worried about how to put an offer in. Some people don't ever tell that because they come to a broker thinking it's just money. You deal with numbers. You deal with how much it's going to cost me. What's the best rate, and off I go. And the job isn't that. The job is holding people's hand throughout, and I think that helps.
1: Do you find that you change your approach
0: with you know your first-time buyers and your younger generation who maybe haven't had that kind of experience previously?
4: I think that, I think the fear is universal. I don't I don't think I don't think it changes. No no one's an expert in mortgaging and buying properties unless you're a mortgage broker and an estate agent, right? It, it's something people only do a few times in their life. So our client bank will be everything from first. A lot of the time you say, oh, you must do well with first-time buyers. Well, we do all right with first-time buyers, but we do all right with people in their 70s as well. And I say that to my first-time buyers, you know, it's not anything to feel ashamed of being frightened. I'm useless at absolutely everything except this job, right? <laughs> I need to get someone to help put the put the shelves up, I, yeah, handy as toothache, I'm I'm not particularly athletic, I'm not, you know, just generally a bit rubbish, but I can do this. And that's what I always say. I say, look, you do what you do, you you know, whatever it is you do, you go and do that, and I'll look after this bit for you. And that's that's you know, stay in your lane.
1: Yeah, and what's kind of the biggest misconception that they tend to have around buying a house, What's kind of the one um thing that you're always kind of correcting people on or educating them on.
4: Um you don't know what you don't know, do you? So it's um again about getting prepared. Come and talk to someone because if you we have no problem at, you know what we do chatting to people 12 months before they're gonna buy. And yeah, we take twenty minutes, half an hour to have a chat with you because we have the information you need to make a decision on how you prepare yourself over the next twelve months. Yeah, so it's only fair. I, I sometimes people ring like, and "Oh, I'm not doing anything yet," so I don't want to bother you. And I'm like, "Mate, no bother. Let's have a chat because this is how you're going to know what to do. And then you'll come back to us in twelve months' time and we'll sort it out." It's not about are you ready to do something now? Right? Okay, let's go. And if you're not, don't bother me. Um, it's we're not churning numbers. We're, we wanna, we want to generally want to get to know the people
1: amazing i love it um well thank you it was so so kind of you to come on the podcast thanks for
4: that's cool that's cool um i
0: are you ready for a bit of uh trademark squid games <laughs> but, I haven't trademarked it I know so you called it squid games Oh man Bloody <laughs> <laughs> Get shot for that in squid games um, Gabby, again. Are you ready for our um, punny, fantastic um, quid games Gabby yes. <laughs> Gabby, yeah. Gabby Gabby Are you ready for our drum roll, trademark Copyrighted, Quid Games, round three. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, ready for it? This is the premise of the game for this uh, this week, month. Well, you'll have seen that a lot of energy companies start sending out kind of leaflets about how to keep warm. And it's stuff like um, putting extra socks, put on a sweater, go to bed early, do star jumps. I don't know, like just loads of random stuff, you know, instead of putting your heating on. So this week's quid games, um, both of us are going to take part. We're going to play the A to Z game, which we've played
1: a lot of times. Yes, normally with dinosaurs or Pokemon. Oh no, that's from my son.
0: (laughs) So in alphabetical order, I want your best suggestions for keeping your energy bills down this winter. I'm starting. Heads or tails, Jojo? Uh, Tails, tails never fails. It
1: is tails,
0: so Never first fails. or second. Um, first, I'll go first. Right, go on then. Right. Once Num- again, what was it? <laughs> right, so we're going to have to think of different ways that
1: you can keep, keep warm, warm
0: rather than putting your heating on. Right. Okay, so I'm going to go first, which the first letter of the alphabet is A. Cool. I'm going to go anger. Anger always gets you warmed up.
1: Interesting. Okay. I'll pick into that, eye, but whatever. <laughs> I'll go a jacket. Because you know, a few bevvies. Or a Bacardi, Cardi, as I like to call you it. You do like a Bacardi, Cardi.
0: Um, I went for B. Interestingly, I went for bonking. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's also warming. Um,
0: so for C, I'm going to say cuddles. Aww, oh,
1: that's
0: cute. That's isn't it? cute. <laughs> for D, I I'll go for dancing. Oh, nice. E, egg hunting. Hey. You know, like an so when you're running about looking for eggs. It's oh. an excellent suggestion. I think we're going to have find. to check
1: with the adjudicators on that.
0: Um, Exercise, then all really right, you're boring. Exercise, I'll say. What letters next?
1: <laughs> F. Can okay. I do one off the record? Right, right, for F, I'm going to go for following the leader.
0: <laughs> leader, leader, follow the leader. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know what
0: that means. The song. Okay. Um, go. I had fighting. G, gold mining. <laughs> I imagine. We you, can't can't, just, can't, you can't just have Activity? Yes, because it's in California and it's warm. But then you are warm anyway, so you don't need to go when gold mining. Alright then, go for a walk. <laughs> um, H, I'm going to go hula hooping. Oh, nice one. Eh? Or I, as some people call it. Incubation. <laughs> Because that is literally how you stay warm, under a lamp, like
1: under a little lamp. But you can't afford little... the heating for the lamp, that's the point. Well, well, all right, then I'm under a chicken's bum. That's the same. <laughs> also, the suggestion is find a giant chicken yes. and sit under its butt. Yeah, can you imagine anything better? Quite a few things, quite a few things. Excellent, it'll be.
0: Um, it's all not working. Jay, I'm going to do jumping jacks. Nice. Okay, I'm going to go for kicky-ups. That's something they do with the football, you know, but, 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 i keep your peas. Still begins with a case, so I still win. Oh, you know, knitting. You can knit yourself a scarf.
1: You could. It's a two for that, two for. That is a two for. L, I'm going to go the Lombarda. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, then. <speaking> oh, well,
0: then, for the M, I'm going to go the Macarena.
1: Oh, nice.
0: <laughs> right, okay, but then let's move away from Mediterranean dancing.
1: Oh. <laughs>
0: Latin dancing. And
1: I will go... For I can't think of anything. And doesn't even feel like a particularly difficult letter to keep warm. No, I'm out. No, you're not. Ugh. Can I do anything with an wall? <laughs> oh, probably, but it wouldn't be very warm. <laughs> Navigating, necking, noodling. Holly, uh, no, <laughs> don't. Holly, don't. We've been. Talking about doing things that keep you warm and we're going through the alphabet. So, like, J was jumping jacks or mm-hmm. M was the Macarena. Good but. content. <laughs> <laughs> just be helpful tips for the energy rise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, there is a link uh, and it worked. Yeah. <laughs> um, what would you do for N? N? <laughs> Night-night. <laughs> <laughs> Night-night, just go to bed. <laughs> you might <laughs> not wait back, will you? too cold. Um. <laughs> Took a turn for the dark. <laughs> oh, Unless you want to say, do you want to say for the rest of the game? Okay. Right, so N, I'm going to do nuclear warfare. What?
0: <laughs> so you're going to nuclear... start a nuclear war f- just so you can be warm? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, for O, I'm going to say obstacle course. Oh, oh nice. It was a good one, was yeah. Do you know what? That might be one of my experiences I would like to go and do an obstacle
1: course, like off the Krypton Factor. P, okay. can I do... Parachuting because you get a sweat on with the stress beforehand. Well, it's freezing cold up the high. Maybe up you get you a go. sweat on with a nervous nervous sweat.
0: You could have had that for N after you wait twenty five minutes. Sweat. Nervous <laughs> sweat. Nervous sweat. and Q,
1: yeah. Go on, do
0: Q. Go on a quest for warmth.
1: <laughs> a quest for warmth. Ah, running. Ah, oh, that was a good one. S. And, you know, the one practical thing we've come up with so far,
0: unlike nuclear
1: warfare. S. Sleeping. You always get warm in sleep. Get into bed, snuggle in. Hey. Now I'm stuck on dances. I want us to do the tango. No, absolutely not. You can't just name loads of dances.
0: Go oh, on, you. <laughs> you. Um, I put underwear, brackets thermal. <laughs> Cheeky bit of thermal underwear. That'll keep you warm. <laughs> <Bracket> <laughs> <thermal>. <laughs> open brackets thermal close brackets um oh and I had a good one for V but I forgot that that's yours so for V I'm going to go vodka (laughs) I had (laughs) V (laughs) no and then for W I had wine um warm your cockles do think playing the Xenophon keeps you warm? <laughs> I'm going to go, yes. So you like aggressive Xenophon player? Um, but do you know what else is warm? What? Radiation. Get yourself an X-ray. <laughs> Pretend you broke a chest or something. Get yourself in the hospital. Check a bit of X-ray in. Do you know what will keep you warm? What? Beginning with why? Yeah. Youth. Because you know what they say?
1: <laughs>
0: cold kills the old. They don't say cold kills the young. <laughs> they say cold kills the old. So, you know, youth. That'll help you. <laughs> um. said. Come on, you can do it. We've nearly got to the end of your Z. Zumba. <laughs> Nailed it. I mean, a lot of those were, you know, dances and all exercises, but you know, it's all about the movement, keeping you warm. Is <laughs> that the end for this month, Kathleen? Have we got through another February? Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, happy fifty-seven wedding anniversary, Valentine's Day, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so that um concludes another amazing episode of that men podcast. Thank Full you. Of
1: learning lessons
0: oh thanks as ever to the to of math from second draft and to everybody at the verb group who helps make this such an amazing um podcast and thanks to
1: thanks to nana for keeping us updated on her house buying journey and for graham at hudson rose for sharing everything that they do there see you next time